Last week, uh, Pastor Philip began a series on the gospel, and uh, he talked about our purpose, and he asked the question, why am I here? And, and hopefully you began to think about that, and as, uh, as you look in Scripture, you begin to understand uh, what our purpose is. The Bible uh, teaches us, first and foremost, in Genesis chapter 1, that God made man and woman, Adam and Eve, you and me, made man in his own image and in his own likeness. And, and what that means in Genesis 1:27, being made in the image and likeness of God means simply that you and I were created by God with a capacity for friendship with him. So you and I, as human beings, we were made, created by God in the image and the likeness of God We were created with the capacity to have relationship with God. God made us so that we might have friendship with him. He made us different than the chickens. I like chickens. Don't you like chickens? Chickens are good, good, good animals to eat. Chickens are good. We like chickens. I mean, chickens are good animals, but you're not made like a chicken. You're different. Chickens aren't made like you. Chickens do not have the capacity to have friendship with God. They are created by God, but they're not created in the image and likeness of God. How many of y'all have a favorite pet? Now, I know this is going to get me in trouble with some of y'all. I just have to tell you that Lulu, my dog, and Lola, my dog, and Bella, my cat, Precious though they may be, they are not human. They're not human. I know you love them, and that's good. But they do not have the capacity to have friendship or fellowship with God. They're going to heaven when they die. Did that save me? That that did? Okay. All dogs go to heaven, but not all humans. Yeah, we're going to talk about that today. But uh, we were made with the capacity to have friendship with God. Now, what that means, the Westminster Confession, not everybody in here has done a a confession thing. You have, I mean, many of us Baptists, we, we didn't know that there was such a thing called a confession. But the Westminster Confession is a thing, and it's a good thing. And you ought to read it. You can Google it right now while I'm preaching, give you something to do. Um, <laughs> the Westminster Confession says that we were created to know God and to enjoy Him forever. I think that's a beautiful way to talk about our purpose. You and I were created to have friendship with God. Now, that's good news. Today, uh, we continue looking at the gospel, and the gospel is good news, but, but that term euangelion, the Greek word for gospel, euangelion, it, it means good news, but, but it means the good news like, as Philip said last week, it's, it's the good news of, of, of someone announcing victory in a war. It's, it's the good news that the labor pains are past and the child is born. 
It's, it's the victory has happened, but in order to get to the victory, you got to go through the battle. In order to get to the victory, you have to endure some of the pain. And what we're going to look at today is the pain. What we're going to look at today is our need. Our need. In Ephesians chapter 4, I want everybody to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 17, 18, and 19. And Paul is talking to the church here. He's, he's talking to followers of Jesus. He's uh, like many of you who are here today, you are followers of Jesus. You might say, well, I know the gospel. I don't need the gospel. Oh, baloney. As a follower of Jesus, you need the gospel every bit as much as you did before you became a follower of Jesus. We need the good news to shape how we think and how we live and how we, how we exist, especially in the family of faith. You don't want to know why, you want to know why churches have such division is because they stopped living by the gospel that saved them. They start going to counterfeit things and, and making idols of things that have no business of being idols and, and exalting things that have no business of being exalted. And if we would spend more time uh, living the gospel that saved us, then we wouldn't spend enough time, we wouldn't have enough time to worship at idols of our own making as a church. And that's what creates division. But that's a different sermon. Ephesians chapter 4, what Paul does is he's talking to the church and he's saying, okay, this is how it used to be for you, but don't live like this anymore. Now, when he talks about the way it used to be, he's talking about the need that every person has, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Now, just listen. He says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So what he's saying is, this is the way life used to be before Jesus has changed your life. In verse, uh, verse 17, he says, he's talking about the rest of the Gentiles. I once was the rest of the Gentiles. That's who I used to be. I was once that person who was walking in the futility of their mind, whose understanding was being darkened, whose, who, who was, who, whose heart was hardened, who, who was separated or alienated from the life of God. And I, that's who I was. And by the way, guess what? That's who you were too. And guess what? Maybe that's who some of you still are. Now, I know we come to church and we like to talk about, we like to talk about the good news. We like the feel-goods, right? I like the feel-goods. I think, I think one of the DNA, uh, one aspect of our church that needs to be part of our DNA and continue to be part of our DNA is the celebration because we have something to celebrate. Because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I've got something to shout about. So, so if, we, if we really are a family of faith that has been transformed by God's grace and not stuck in the muck and the mire of our own man-made decisions and, 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 and idols and, 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 and different things like that, if we really are 
people that wake up every morning and say, my goodness, look what God has done for me today. And we go to bed at night and say, oh my goodness, look at what God has done for me today. We begin to think like that. Then, then we need to have celebration every time we get together. This is the place to celebrate. Kill the fatted calf. That's Luke 15, if you're wondering. And by the way, you got to realize heaven's, heaven's a pretty celebration kind of place. I mean, heaven's a celebration. You know, I, I know people say, well, we need to be somber in church. Now, I get that. I understand there's a place for reverence. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Read descriptions of heaven in the Bible. You read descriptions of heaven in the Bible, you don't have somber. You have shouting. You have singing. And you got some dancing going on. There is a party in heaven. And we're sitting down here and we're saying, well, I need to, I need to be somber. No, you better start getting ready for heaven. Anyway, you want to know when they're somber in heaven? When they divide the sheep and the goats, that's somber. When, when they see who's going to heaven, who's going to hell, that's somber. But if you're going to heaven and you're spending eternity there, guess what? It's celebration. All right. So we, and, and I, I know when we get together, we need to have those feel goods because I love the feel goods. I know you love the feel goods, but in order to get to the feel good, you got to sometimes reflect on the feel bad. And in order to talk about the victory, you got to at least reflect on the battle. And when we talk about our need, we're talking about the battle. And when we talk about our need, we're talking about the pain and the despair and the struggle and the hurt and the constant heartache. That's what we're talking about. And it's a struggle and a pain and a problem that many of you are still in today. When we talk about our need, as Paul describes it, he's, he's, saying, he's saying something about our need that, that we need to understand. And... and, and, and as Paul describes it here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that, that if you're apart from God, if, if you are separated from God, if you're apart from God, then, then you are, um, then we are, then people are living this life wandering aimlessly. People apart from God wander through life aimlessly. And that's uh, verse, uh, verse 17 where he says, and, and, and they're walking in the futility of their mind. The futility of their mind, it's, it's someone trying to find an answer that they can't get. And then throwing up their hands in frustration and getting upset about it. Now, think of it this way. Suppose what's inside this safe represents the one thing you need. Okay? Come see me after class. Think, 
Think, think, no, that's an example. It's a bad example. I mean, a good example of a bad thing, but that's, that's, a, that's it. Uh, but you think about it, and, that, and really, it could be money. It could be, it could be happiness. It could be joy. It could be, it could be another relationship, a different job, a, a, a new place to live. It, it, you're, you're looking at your life, and you're saying, this, this box represents what I need. When Jesus described the need of humanity, the need of people, he described it in several different ways. He said, uh, your need, it's like uh, a person who is dying of hunger needing bread. Inside the safe is bread. He said, he said, your need is like a person dying of thirst needing water. Inside the safe is water. He said, your need is like a person who is... Uh, lost in darkness, fumbling and falling around in darkness, needing light. Inside the safe is light. He said, he said it's, it's, uh, your need is like a person who is dead and you need to be alive. And inside the safe is life. So here you are and you understand the idea of need. We all do. All of us have been hungry. Am I right? Everybody, some of you right now, you're starving. You're thinking, how long is this going to last? A lot longer than you want it to, I can promise you. Yeah. Sorry. Here we go. But you're, 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 you've been hungry, so you understand that ingredient of need, but there's a deeper hunger that you have. That deeper hunger that we all have, it's a deeper hunger that, that drives us and, and shapes our living and our thinking and our believing and, and where we go and what we do and with whom we do it, and, 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 and it shapes a lot of our life. And, and so we're looking for, for our need to be satisfied, and inside this safe is what we need. And so, so we're sitting here, and, and we're saying, okay, i got to get inside the safe. What's the combination? Well, it doesn't have any J's or B's or I's or anything. And I can't do the alphabet. It's just a bunch of numbers and it looks like a phone, uh, your iPhone pad, your, 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 your push button phone. So what do you think? Two, three, one, two, three, four. Okay. One, two, three, four. No. Wait, wait, wait. 650, 650. No, 777. Every service somebody has said 777. 777. You know, this is frustrating. What, what? I've already done one, two, three. Oh, I did one, two, three, four. All right, we'll try one, two, three. One, two, three. No, one, two, no, one, two, three, four, five, no, one. All right, so what else? Wait, give me another number. Give me another number. What? Four, zero? Four, zero. Oh, four zeros. One, two, three, four. No. What? All right, nine, one, 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 one. Uh, four one one, six one one, three one six. Everybody wants me to do three sixteen every service too. Seven 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 three sixteen. 
Yes! I'm loving you. Dan, hey, you are the best. All right, some of y'all won't get, some of you won't get this. Call me. 8675309 No What 800 Oh I took my glasses off sorry 800 No What 5357 Three, seven, eight, seven. That's a great number. Doesn't work. 1964. No. Let's do my birthday. Y'all want to try my birthday? I turned 50 this year. Y'all have had me a long time. 08, 2, 5, 1, Nine six seven. No. I'll try my wife's birthday. Relax. Relax. I've been married over two decades. I'm smart enough to know how to handle this one. Oh three one seven star 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 star. Doesn't work. My anniversary, my anniversary, right? Okay. Oh, seven, one, two, one, nine, nine, one. No. You know, the amazing thing is we, we could do this all day and we're not going to open that safe. You want to know why? Because I haven't programmed any of the numbers in. But it's frustrating like that. That's futility of the mind. You're, you're trying to think and plan and figure out a way to find some life and purpose and meaning. And you're pushing in all these numbers and all these remedies and all these formula, but you're coming up empty. You're not able to unlock the safe. You're not, you're not able to get to life. You're not able to get to joy. And so you start pushing all these other buttons, trying to, trying to get some sort of flavor of life or some sort of flavor of joy. That's why Paul says in verse 19, so you start doing lewdness and all wickedness. And, and, and essentially he's saying, you're just pushing a bunch of numbers, trying to, trying to satisfy that empty, empty space in your life. You're, you're trying to fill that empty uh, that, that deep longing and need in your soul. So you're doing all these things. You're, 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 you're frustrated and, and you're beyond caring about God or anything. So you're just going to do your own thing. And, and so that's, that's where you get. See, when, when we're apart from God, we're, we, we, we wander aimlessly. And then he says, when we're apart from God, we drown in darkness. People who are apart from God, apart from God, people are going to drown in darkness and, and that's being darkened in your understanding. What that means is you're trying, you think you've got enough information and you think you do. You can solve math problems and you think, well, if I can solve math problems, man, I can figure out how to get life. Or, or you say, well, you know, I, I can change the transmission in my car and, and you think if I can change the transmission in my car, I can, I can, I can figure out life. 
You think, well, the philosophers must have had it. I mean, scientists must have the answer. I mean, my goodness, we put somebody on the moon. Isn't that enough to tell us that we can figure this life out? So you punch in the buttons, but it still doesn't open. They say, well, I've lived long enough. Oh, come on. But we do. We say, I've lived long enough, so if I've lived long enough, then I've got the answer. I can open the safe. We push in the buttons. No, and nothing works. Uh, the, our understanding being dark, it means that, that even though we have the capacity to think, we can't reach God. We've tried. It doesn't work. Apart from God, we're drowning in the darkness of our own thoughts, of our own smarts. We're drowning in the darkness of, of our own ability to do things, but not enough to satisfy our, lo- our lives. Apart from God, we're drowning in darkness. Apart from God, we're, we're wandering aimlessly. And apart from God, we're utterly hopeless. See, that's really Paul's point. Apart from God, you're utterly hopeless. There, there is no hope apart from God. That's why he, he talks about in verse 18 here in Ephesians 4, he's talking about how that, that you are alienated from life with God or life in God. Depending on your translation, essentially it means that God has life and you don't get it. You don't possess it. It's outside the realm of what you hold. He said it a little bit differently in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. He said, he said that, that uh, apart from God, you're separated from the family of God. Even if you're going to church, you're still separated from the family of God. By the way, you know that you can go to church and not be part of God's family, don't you? If you don't, it's true. I would say that there are people in this room who have been going to church all their lives and still are not part of God's family. Well, maybe not in the 11 o'clock service, but certainly at 930. It, 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 all that stuff, you, you think, well, man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm praying or I'm, I'm reading my Bible or I'm, 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 I'm a good moral person. But, but the bottom line is, uh, if, if we're apart from God, then, then we are hopeless because we're living without God in this world. That's Ephesians 2.12. We're, we're living uh, separated from the family of God and, and we're living without hope because we're living without God in this world. And, and if God is not the, the ruler of the equation of our life, then we have no life. Everything is utterly hopeless, and that is our deepest need. Our deepest need is not to find the equation that unlocks the safe. Our deepest need is God himself. Today, your deepest need, my deepest need, our deepest need, the world's deepest need is God himself. If we were able to open this box, we would have bread for the hungry, water for the thirsty, light for those swallowed in darkness. We would have life for us all because we would be in friendship with God. See, the key for us, what what we find here inside this safe is God. That's our desperate need. 
the reason, the reason Paul describes uh, these people and uh, the rest of the Gentiles, people apart from God, the reason he describes them in such, such, such horrific terms is because their life is a horror. And can I just share with you, look, you can have the best looking life there is, but apart from God, it's just a horror, no matter how it looks on the outside. Today, we come here and, and, and we, we look at this safe, and man, we're trying to, oh my goodness, if I could just, if I could just figure out how to punch these buttons in the right sequence, then my soul in sad exile, I'd be able to open this blasted box and get all the answers because I have done what I need. I can take care of myself. I can push these buttons and get what I need. I can do it on my own. I can be religious enough. I can be smart enough. I can be educated enough. I can be wise enough. I can hang out with enough of the right people. If I can just do what I do and be uh, what I know I can be and believe in myself and achieve my dreams in my soul in sad exile, everything will be all right. And then you throw up your hands in frustration because even after you do all that, the box still doesn't open. Because your deepest need is not for you to take care of your life. Your deepest need is to find God who is life. And it's only God. God is the only one who can make dead people alive. And see, that's our problem. Our problem is that we're dead. We're dead on the inside. The emptiness that we're trying to fill, it's deadness. It's, it's death. It's the death grip on us. We're trying to escape the death grip. I mean, we're trying to... I remember when I was a kid, uh, a, a younger kid. I'm still a kid. But when I was a younger kid... My older brother and I, we would wrestle, and he'd turn me over, and he'd get on top of me, he'd pin my arms to the ground, he'd put, my, put his knees on my, on my shoulders, and I couldn't move, and, and I felt like I was suffocating. I got mad and frustrated. I'd fight and struggle and fight and struggle, and I couldn't get up, and, and that's the way we feel because of our sin. You see, the Bible says that it's our sin, your sin, my sin, that has killed us. We're struggling, but we're still dead. We're flopping around like a fish out of water. Dead already, just doesn't know it yet. That's who we are because of our sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Ezekiel 38, the soul who sins shall die. That's me. That's me. Do you understand? That's me. That's you. I mean, I don't mean to be all heavy and stuff, but... The truth is, you and I, you know what we deserve? Hell. And we can't escape it. It's not only that we deserve it, that's our destiny. That, that's the place dead people apart from God go. But I love how Scripture gives us the note of hope. You were dead in your trespasses, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you've been saved. Only God gives life to dead people. 
By the way, when I say only God, I mean only God. Only. The one true living God. God himself. Only he gives life. So only God can give life to dead people. And we need life. You want to know why, apart from God, we are utterly hopeless? Do you want to know why that is? Because dead people don't have any hope. Apart from God, dead people don't have any hope. But with God, even death has the note of hope. Because God gives life to dead people. As you look at this, you might say, well, you know, Eric, you've talked about this box, and, and I don't understand if, if God can give life to dead people, why is it that he hasn't given life to me? Why, doesn't, why does he keep this box locked? Why, why is he keeping this away from me? You say he loves us, and, and I do. I don't know if I've said that this hour, but, you know, God loves you, and he doesn't want you to be dead. He wants you to be alive. And you say, well, if he loves me and he doesn't want me to be dead, then why does he keep the, the box locked? Well, the, it's a great question. It's wrong question, but it's a great question. You see, the question is not, why does God keep the box locked? God didn't lock the box. We did. We locked the box with our sin. We did this. See, our sin is what separates us from God. What makes us apart from God is our sin. Your sin, my sin. And, and here's the thing, you know, we, we always like to measure our sinfulness by other people's wickedness, right? I mean, I, we look at our sin and say, well, yeah, I've sinned, but I'm not nearly as bad as that person over there. I mean, let me tell you how bad they are. And we always try to make ourselves feel better about our sinfulness by looking at someone who's sinned worse than we have. But can I tell you, that's not how God looks at our sin at all. God doesn't measure our sinfulness by somebody else's wickedness. He measures our sinfulness by his holiness. And that's our problem. God always measures our sinfulness by his holiness. And, and the, the, the thing is, you can't unring the bell. Once you've sinned, you can't make it not sin. You can't, you can't change its designation. Once I sinned, I was stuck. I was locked, and I had no combination to get to God. I locked the door, and I can't unlock it. Neither can you. Now, our, our sin has separated us from God. Your sin has separated you from God. And there's nothing you can do about it. I want, there is nothing you can do about it. Nothing at all. The reason people who are religious will never make it to heaven is because they think they can do something about their sin. The reason people in America, now I love being part of this nation. I really do. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for uh, being born here and being raised here. 
But being American does not get you to heaven. It never has, and it never will. You realize God is not an American. You realize Jesus did not speak English. You realize Jesus was not a white person. Jesus did not have blue eyes, blonde hair. I like to think he was going bald, but... (laughs) Jesus was a brown-skinned Middle Easterner. Being an American does not get you to heaven. It doesn't make you right with God, and it doesn't give you special access to his favor. Being in this room doesn't do it either. Just because you're sitting here doesn't mean that you're somehow going to get faith. I love it when I'm going to fly to a preacher retreat this afternoon, uh, preacher retreat, preacher conference, preacher meeting, blah. Anyway, I'm going to it. And I'm going to get in the airplane, and Edie's going with me, so it won't, I won't have this problem. But you, when I fly on the airplane, somebody sits next to me, and we finally, they finally get to the question, what do you do? And I say, I'm a preacher. And they say, boy, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> As though me being a preacher gives special, what, favor? He doesn't know, he doesn't know me. <laughs> I know some preachers. I wouldn't want to be sitting next to some of them, you know? And I was there too, and I've been there too. Look, just because you're a religious person, just because you're sitting in a church, doesn't mean that you somehow have unlocked this door because you're religious or you're moral or you're genetically tied to a church. It doesn't have anything to do with it. That's, That's still punching buttons and not able to open the door. Our sin separates us from God, and we can't do anything about it. And we have locked hope in a vault with our sin. And we don't have the combination to unlock the safe. And we are desperately in trouble. And the good news comes next week. I, I have told you, you know, part of the problem with the safe is, and we'll look at it next week, but the, this keypad doesn't even work. I mean, we could punch buttons in here all day and all night, but the keypad doesn't work because there are no batteries in the keypad yet. So the keypad is just an exercise in futility. What I need to do is get the key and put it in the little keyhole right there and unlock the door. The key comes next week. My hope and prayer for you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you would stop living in self-sufficiency, acting like your morality or your religious efforts are sufficient to give you life and hope and purpose. 
My prayer for you as a follower of Jesus today is that you would see again your absolute bankruptcy inside of a holy God and that your desperate need is not more religion but more of God. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, my hope and prayer is that you would become hungry for life in God. Life that only He can provide. I will give you a clue if you haven't already figured it out. God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. That's an option. That's the key. And that's what we'll talk about next week. But my prayer for you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, is that you would look to yourself and stop justifying your efforts to make you right or to unlock the vault or to give you hope and that you would look to God as your only resource. That the light would begin to go on inside your head and your heart and that you would trust, at least up to this point, trust that there's nothing you can do to make up for the sin you've done but God offers hope through Jesus. Apart from God, we're wandering aimlessly. Apart from God, we're drowning in darkness. Apart from God, we're utterly hopeless. But God gives life to dead people. And God can fix my broken life. Let's pray. Father, right now, as as we have gathered here today, I pray that you would take hold of our hearts. If there are those here today who have yet to know you as Savior and King, I pray that you would just begin to awaken them, that you would give them the courage to ask questions and the courage to consider Jesus as the answer to their life's journey. And Father, for those in the room today who are, still, who are followers of Jesus, and I pray that you would Break our hearts over our own sinfulness. And break our hearts over the idols that we've created. Break our hearts over our self-sufficiency, thinking that we can make life. I pray that you would bend us with a greater dependence upon you. I pray that you would help for us to celebrate the life that you give us and the hope that you've provided, the bread of life, the river of life, the light of life, that you've given these things to us through Jesus. May we celebrate today. Now as we worship you in these moments, speak to our hearts. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.